The time is now. Volume 7, Episode 135. This is Employment Law Now. I am Mike Schmidt, your host of this podcast and the Vice Chair of the Labor and Employment Department at Cozen O'Connor. Welcome to Part 1 of Summer 2023 Reflections. And while there's a lot to talk about and while there's a lot I will go through over the course of this next two-part series, this Part 1 today is devoted to one issue because of its importance. And it's one that we've been waiting for. I hope you all had a terrific Labor Day holiday weekend. It's hard to believe it is September. If there is a discernible trend here when we talk about summer developments, it is that big developments continue to tend to come right before or right during a calendar break in the action. And just this past August 30th, right before the Labor Day weekend, the United States Department of Labor issued its notice of proposed rulemaking, proposed rulemaking, not a rule that is in final form yet or even is effective yet, but a proposed rule on a topic that, as I've said, we've been waiting for, the new change to the overtime exemption rule. Remember, there are three components to determine if somebody is properly classified as exempt, at least for the primary white collar exemptions. One, the pay method for that individual has to be on a salary basis. Two, the pay has to at least equal a minimum salary threshold. And three, the individual has to, on a day-to-day -day basis, meet the certain specified job duties that are established in the regulations for the particular exemption. With regard to bucket number one, that being the pay method having to be on a salary basis, the United States Supreme Court recently discussed and addressed that requirement, and we covered that also earlier this year on another podcast episode. With regard to bucket number three, the job duties test, as much as many of us would like some refinement of the job duties test that has not been modified at all for almost 20 years now, that still hasn't happened with this proposed rule. Although the Department of Labor has apparently acknowledged that we are seemingly waiting for changes to the duties test, but that they have not still done so. The Department of Labor has just said, quote, at this time, the department favors keeping the current standard duties test, which is well known to employers and employees. As long as it is paired with an appropriate salary level requirement, the standard duties test can appropriately distinguish bona fide exempt employees from non-exempt employees, end quote. 
well known to employers and employees well sure it's well known to employers and employees I'm not so sure that employers or employees alike think that the job duties tests are all that great or all that workable and haven't resulted in a whole host of litigation over the past 20 years nevertheless again the United States Department of Labor in its August 30th proposed rule has not proposed to do anything with this third bucket the job duties test this proposed rulemaking on August 30th is all about bucket number two the required minimum salary threshold needed to classify someone as exempt now mind you if you are in a state like New York this proposed new rule still might not matter because if the state you're in has a minimum salary threshold that is higher than the federal level you must still comply with the higher state threshold in order to meet the exemption at least for that state but let's look at what this proposed federal rule from the United States Department of Labor does according uh, to the proposed rule and the preamble and other commentary the Department of Labor believes that this will now provide overtime to 3.6 million workers and that's really the goal according to the Democratic administration the Democratic led Department of Labor here that is their goal to get more workers able to receive overtime because under these circumstances they will no longer be making a salary that equals a lower threshold they will now fall below the new minimum threshold unless employers really feel after doing a risk reward benefit cost analysis that it is worth raising their salaries to the new threshold in order to continue to classify them as exempt so according to the proposed new rule the minimum salary would rise from the current federal level of $35,568 annually which is $684 per week and it will rise to at least $55,068 which comes out to $1,059 per week a significant proposed change it's even higher than the proposed change that came about in 2017 in the attempt to change the minimum salary threshold by the Obama administration which at that time proposed to raise it to $47,476 before a federal court in Texas struck that down the court at that point and this may have some impact on the inevitable litigation that will come from this new rule the federal court at that time said that the Obama administration rule was focusing too much on the amount of money that was made by a worker instead of the actual day-to-day -day job duties as congressional mandates seemed to be when Congress enacted the FLSA but here's the problem not just that the proposed rule raises by a significant percentage the minimum salary level to at least $55,068 a year the potential problem is that that number could still rise depending on when this rule gets finalized it could rise to as high as $60,209 a year 
in the ultimate final rule. That's because, and this is, you know, a little bit more remarkable as well. That's because in a lengthy footnote in the proposed rule, a footnote no less, the Department of Labor said that the salary threshold will be based on the Bureau of Labor Statistics salary data statistics coming from the poorest census region. In other words, it will be pegged and continue to be pegged to the 35th percentile of weekly earnings of full-time salaried workers in the southern United States, which is currently the lowest wage U.S. census region. <laughs> all of these numbers and all of these calculations and labor statistics remind me of Chevy Chase in that Saturday Night Live debate parody. It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> I know I'm dating myself a little bit with a Saturday Night Live reference from the 1970s, but you get my point. So the final rule will use the most recently available data at the time the rule becomes finalized. So if, for example, the rule becomes finalized in the fourth quarter of 2023, based on the data at that point or what's expected to be the data at that point the final salary minimum salary threshold could be as high as fifty nine thousand two hundred eighty five dollars or one thousand one hundred and forty dollars per week instead of the at least fifty five thousand sixty eight dollars that's in the proposed rule and if the rule is not finalized still until quarter one of 2024 it is anticipated that the data could support a minimum salary threshold of $60,209 or $1,158 per week. The Department of Labor, I suspect, will argue that, uh, hey, we are at least being transparent. We're telling you not just what the minimum number will be now, as far as the proposed rule stands, but also what we expect the data to be at the end of 2023 or the beginning of 2024 and therefore what the minimum salary threshold could be if the rule is finalized in either of those quarters. The problem is it makes it a little tough to comment now when the salary threshold itself seems to be a moving goalpost. A fact that might ultimately aid future litigation brought to enjoin and strike any final rule. The Department of Labor says that it would publish new three-year levels each three-year period. So that whatever the salary threshold is in its final form... This new proposed rule has that salary threshold being updated automatically every three years. That is, without further proposed rulemaking, without further comment, every three years based on the then current earnings data. And the Department of Labor says that it will publish the new three-year levels at least 150 days before the new level would go into effect. So... It's going to be at least $55,068 or $1,059 per week in order, at least for federal law purposes, an individual who otherwise meets the other buckets 
to be classified as an exempt individual. And that number could go as high as $60,209 annually or $1,158 per week if the rule doesn't get finalized still by quarter one of 2024. Oh, there's also the highly compensated test to contend with. Remember, the highly compensated test is not recognized in all states, so please check your local listings. The highly compensated test was a federal creation that recognizes that workers who are paid at least a certain high amount are almost certainly going to be the type of exempt employee that Congress envisioned. The thinking, again, is that employers will not be paying these higher salaries to individuals unless the individuals are performing what are typically recognized as exempt type duties. Therefore, under the highly compensated test, you don't need to go through the same rigorous analysis of the job duties in order to be properly classified as exempt under the highly compensated test. Under the August 30 proposed rule, the new salary threshold for the highly compensated test would rise from its current $107,432 to a new $143,988. It will also automatically update every three years, but for the highly compensated test, the minimum salary threshold would be tied to the 85th percentile of salaried workers on a national basis. Again, a little bit different. A little bit different. For the regular exemptions, it will be tied to the 35th percentile of weekly earnings of full-time salary workers in the southern U.S. But for the highly compensated test, it will be tied to the 85th percentile of salaried workers on a national basis. Once published in the Federal Register, the public will have 60 days to comment. Unclear at this time whether that 60-day comment period will be extended, like other agency proposed rules have been in recent memory, for example, the uh, non-compete rule proposed by the FTC. But for now, as it stands, this proposed rule from August 30th will afford the public 60 days to comment Those who want to comment can do so on an individualized basis or as a collective group through trade associations and outside counsel. After the public comment period ends, whether that's the original 60 days or some extension thereof, the United States Department of Labor will then consider all of the comments received before determining what to issue in a final rule. We will likely see a repeat of the 2017 litigation that attacked the Obama administration's proposed rule right after that final rule is announced in either 2023 or early 2024. A couple of side notes. We talk about it all the time when we're referring to overtime and the overtime exemption rules. So as long as we're, again, on the topic, a couple of things to remember. When you're thinking about classifying individuals as exempt or non-exempt, it's not just about job titles and job descriptions, though those are certainly relevant to the analysis. 
Otherwise, every employee would have the title of manager or executive manager. It's not just job titles and not just job descriptions. Those are certainly relevant to the analysis. Secondly, it is also not just because someone is paid a salary. There are still a lot of companies out there who think, well, this individual is paid a salary, so that makes them exempt. Remember what I started with. There are three buckets. Yes, the pay has to be on a salary basis. Yes, that salary has to be at least equal to the minimum salary threshold. But beyond that, they also must meet the job duties set forth in the regulations for that particular exemption at issue. So an individual who is paid the minimum salary but does not meet the job duties in the regulations will not be properly classified as exempt simply because she or he is paid a salary. Whoa, if we could breathe now, you know, that would be a heck of a summer if that was all there was for the summer of 2023. But there were other big developments and trends that marked the summer of 2023, and I will dive into those a little bit further in part two. Until then, I hope all of your labor is productive.